Welcome to Florida Matters. I'm Bradley George. Today, we reflect on the state of LGBTQ life in Florida. June 1st was the beginning of Pride Month. It's also the day Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law a bill that prohibits transgender athletes from playing on high school and college sports teams. LGBTQ activists say the law is another setback during a year when many states pass legislation targeting transgender people. I spoke with Rodrigo Heng Leitinen, an activist and deputy executive director of the National Center for Transgender Equality. Well, Rodrigo, starting off, um, we wanted to talk to you primarily about the anti-trans athlete bill that was passed by the legislature here in Florida. It's one of many similar bills that's been passed or is being considered by legislatures around the country. What happened this year that led to this just sudden burst of anti-trans legislation cropping up all over the country? Well, you're absolutely right that transgender people and especially transgender young people are facing attacks all around the country. Uh, Actually, over 30 states introduced some kind of anti-transgender bill this year. That is over half the country. So it's astounding. And Florida's ban on transgender youth playing school sports was the very first anti-LGBT bill to pass in Florida in over 20 years. So it's quite shocking. I think really where this is coming from, though, is that support for transgender people is growing. And so the organizations that are ideologically opposed to transgender people um, are going after us and they're getting desperate and they are trying to use transgender youth as a wedge issue. I think they're picking the most vulnerable amongst us to try to use us like a political football to try to score some points. Um, And and it's really heartless because, you know, it's good to remember that these are kids. We're not even talking about professional athletes. We're not talking about the Olympics. We're talking about a ninth grader who wants to play with their friends on the school volleyball team. I mean, we're really we're really talking about everyday young people who who are just trying to play with their friends. So this Florida bill in particular, it's similar to a a law that was passed in Idaho a couple of years ago and has been challenged in the courts. And that makes me wonder if it's if it's mirrored, you know, to this other bill in Idaho that's faced legal challenges. How enforceable is is what passed here in Florida? It is almost certainly violating equal protection uh, rules for young people. I mean, schools are not supposed to discriminate against their students. Schools are supposed to be accessible to everyone. That is a, a basic principle of our education system. So it is quite possible that uh, this is going to be struck down eventually. What's tough though, is that in the meantime, transgender young people are still being hurt. I mean, e, let's say, this bill were to, um, this law were to be magically struck down tomorrow. Well, that would be good. But in the meantime, all of these young people have already heard the message that the leaders of their state don't think they belong. So, I mean, that, that's what I would really emphasize is that there's the legal side of this, but there's also the emotional side of just what it's like to be, you know, 16 years old and in high school and scared that you don't fit in. And now 
the leaders of your state have just put a target on your back and basically invited your peers to bully you. As you mentioned, this is this is probably the first sort of anti-LGBTQ pill that's passed in Florida in about two decades. What do you think changed in the political climate now to get this bill through where maybe previous attempts to limit LGBTQ rights in Florida failed? Well, I think we're all experiencing a rise in hateful rhetoric. And we're all kind of seeing that the these tenets of uh, bipartisanship and, and fairness in our political system aren't as strong as they need to be. Um, we need to have a lot more respect for each other uh, in our political discourse. So I think part of what we're seeing here is that there's so there's more extremism in our state legislature, and there's more kind of jockeying for political power. I think the governor thought he could score some points with his biggest donors by signing something like this, um, and and really sacrificed the the mental health of transgender youth and their families in the process. So I think we really need to remember that this is really just about respect at the end of the day. As naive as that may sound, I think we're in this polarized political environment now where these basic ideas of respect um, have kind of gone out the window sometimes, and we got to bring them back. So as we said, there's 30 or so bills uh, around the country looking to limit trans rights in different ways. What are some of the other examples of other proposals around the country that we're seeing? The other kind of attack that we're seeing a lot of are bills that seek to criminalize transgender youth accessing health care. Uh, you know, when young people come out, they uh, might want to seek counseling. They might want to talk to a therapist. They might access different physical medical care. And those kinds of decisions should be between a patient, a doctor, and their parents in the case of minors. I think we can all agree that uh, politicians are not the ones who should be making healthcare decisions. It's it's doctors and patients and families who should. But a lot of these, um, these bills are seeking to outright ban young people from getting certain types of healthcare. And that's really dangerous. I mean, and again, it, it really sends the message that transgender youth don't belong. Um, it, it really sets the tone that somehow being transgender is not valid and that this is something to be ashamed of. And that's, that's really hurtful, especially to young people who are still trying to, trying to figure themselves out and figure out their place in the world. I mean, we should be supporting young people, not, not singling them out like that. What kind of message do you think the Florida bill in particular sends to LGBTQ people around the country and around the world. You think about this state, there's such a large visible gay community in this state. South Florida, the Keys, Disney are all popular destinations for, for LGBTQ tourists. People who are persecuted in the Caribbean and Central and South America come to Florida and make Florida their home and are able to live their, their lives here fully. What do you think this bill does to the state's reputation as a welcoming, vibrant place for LGBTQ people from around the world? 
You know, a band like this makes it seem like Florida is not an accepting place when a lot of Florida really is. You know, I'm from Florida myself. I'm from Miami um, and my family is Cuban American. uh, So we're part of that, you know, lineage of people immigrating from Latin America that you mentioned. We, my family left Cuba and came to Florida seeking freedom because this is a place that's supposed to be accepting. And this is a place where if you work hard, you can get ahead um, and and find your footing. But a ban on basically being a a ban against a group of people, a ban that singles a, a particular kind of person out, in this case, transgender youth, sends the opposite message. Uh, a ban like that communicates that uh, Florida is somehow not an accepting place and it's not a place where you can be yourself and it's and it's a place where you should be ashamed to be who you really are. And I don't think that helps anybody. I mean, I think all of us are better off when we're in an environment where you can you can live in that kind of freedom where you know that you're going to be judged based not on who you are, but based on what you do. Do you think one of the kind of one of the after effects of this bill passing is that the trans community in Florida will be more visible and more vocal about efforts like this? Absolutely. Well, this is part of how change happens that, you know, there's always politicians who try to get ahead by targeting people. Um, and then those those people decide to fight back. <laughs> and, you know, we've seen that in a lot of the LGBT movement where there, um, we saw this on, for example, marriage equality. Uh, there were a few years there where same-sex couples were getting banned from getting married in state after state, but we kept showing, we kept coming out and showing that gay people are in you know, loving relationships like anyone else um, and that that deserves to be recognized. And over time, more and more of our neighbors understood that and realized, oh, you know what, this is this is nothing to be scared of. These are these are just my neighbors, my family members, my friends, my peers. And I think that hap- that's going to happen with transgender rights. We're seeing it already. You know, I uh, came out as tran- a transgender man myself about uh, over ten years ago, and just in the time that I've been out, um, I've been able to see how many people in my life maybe initially didn't really understand what being transgender meant. But then they realized it was really no big deal. And, and I'm still me, you know what I mean? And, and we're still friends. And, and now they really support transgender rights because they see that it's really just about us having the freedom to be ourselves um, like anyone wants for their own life. So I think that bans like this are a setback. There's no doubt about it. But with time, uh, we're going to see uh, just how unfair these things are. And more and more of our neighbors are going to realize that that transgender people are just a part of the fabric of society like anyone else. You mentioned your family and your your mom, uh, Eliana Roslethanen, was a member of Congress from South Florida for many years, pretty conservative Republican on, on, on a lot of issues. What's her message to her GOP colleagues in Florida who are supporting bills like this? Her message is that being, well, being transgender is, again, it's just it's nothing to be ashamed of. And that actually, when you give supporting transgender rights is about supporting freedom. Uh, as you said, she's Republican. 
Um, and she's a Republican because she believes in liberty and she believes in small government. Um, and that's why she's opposed to bans like this, because really bans like this are big government. <laughs> I mean, that is um, the government coming between you and your doctor or coming between uh, you and your kid's school and telling them what they're supposed to do instead of the doctor or the school being able to make their own decisions. So for her and for a lot of fellow Republicans, it's a small government issue. Um, but even beyond that, it's also just a human issue. When I came out, uh, she was surprised. Uh, a lot of, like a lot of parents, she had a lot of questions. She, she didn't really know what to think at first. And then she said, you know what, my kid is my kid. That doesn't change just because of someone's gender. I mean, family is family. Um, and I think as more and more of us uh, come out as transgender, more and more families are having that reaction. So the, there's likely to be, I think there have already been lawsuits filed against the, the trans bill here in Florida, against some of these other uh, pieces of legislation that have been filed around the country. What do you think the, the legal fight going forward against these bills is going to look like? It's absolutely going to be widespread. Uh, there's going to be a challenges to all of these attacks against transgender people and especially transgender youth of any stripe, whether it's about sports or whether it's about healthcare. Um, and I think it's, it's a matter of time until these things are uh, eventually struck down, whether because of the courts uh, or whether because of the court of public opinion. We are seeing more acceptance of transgender people every single year. And that has been the pattern for a long time now. So it is, uh, we are winning. More and more folks are realizing that being transgender is part of everyday life, that some folks are trans and some aren't, and it's not a big deal. So I think as the stigma decreases, we're going to realize that we don't need these kinds of bans anymore, um, and they'll be struck down one way or another. Well, Rodrigo, thanks so much for talking with us uh, this afternoon. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Take care. That was Rodrigo heng Leitinen, Deputy Executive Director of the National Center for Transgender Equality. You're listening to Florida Matters. Our conversation continues in just a moment. This is Florida Matters on WUSF 89.7. I'm Bradley George. It's Pride Month, and this week we're looking at the state of life for LGBTQ Floridians. Pride celebrations are happening throughout June, including one in Pasco County. For Pasco Pride President Nina Borders, Pride is more than just a party. It's about making sure LGBTQ people in the county have equal rights. Nina, starting off, yeah, just tell me a little bit about you and how Pasco Pride got started. We started about three years ago, and it started after moving into this area. I'm originally from Orlando, uh, and I worked for Orange County Fire, and I moved here about a year after. I left Orange County Fire a year after Pulse and moved here and got hired with the city of Clearwater. And I wanted to start, I wanted to join like a group of people doing um, activism in Pasco County and trying to push for rights because I, I realized I didn't have any <laughs> uh, in this county and coming from an, like a, a, a very progressive district in Orange County and, and then coming to Pasco and being like, wait, I'm sorry, we don't have, we don't have what? Um, that's kind of where it started. I got with a, gr a group of individuals uh, who had already been doing a lot of really good work uh, in Pasco County. 
And I started as the vice president and we, we joined and we kicked off our first pride uh, in October of 2018. And I took over presidency uh, 2019. And so, and then that's, that's the good work. I, uh, yeah, I realized that we couldn't just throw a party. We couldn't just throw a pride. There's so much work that has to be done in this county. Um, and it's so intersectional, whether it's uh, for people of color, it's our, our trans brothers and sisters, whether it's uh, income gaps and homelessness, um, mental health and health. So we, we really had to lay a groundwork. We couldn't just throw a pride. We had to lay a foundation in which pride could grow upon and kind of just supersede me, my entire board and everybody uh, doing the good work. What was sort of the reaction from from longtime LGBT residents in Pasco who maybe, you know, desired that kind of work, desired the the visibility that came with a pride celebration, but that hadn't existed in that community prior to you starting this? So it, it did actually. And I, and I like to say, I like to tell the story because pride comes in so many forms. We throw, of course, up front our formal festival, right? But there's, there's individuals that have lived here from, from day one. They were born in Pasco County, and they've been throwing their own versions of pride, right? Whether it was a community potluck, whether it was everybody in the area got together for one day in June and went to the local gay club, and we threw, you know, um, just a, a big celebration. Uh, so, so pride existed. It just didn't exist on this scale, is what I like to say. And, and people were just so excited when we organized and we issued our permits and we really, and we really got the ball rolling and we started to pick up a lot of, um, a lot of steam, a lot of press and people were just enthralled. Honestly, uh, they wanted to be a part of it. We had people seeking like us out. Uh, how can I volunteer? How can I be a part? What do you need? Uh, I, I have books, you know, I have a bookstore, I have a print store and I want to be a part of it in any way I can. And, um, it was really kind of just magical watching the public and, and just people that have been here for so long come out and support and try and help anyway. I want to go back to intersectionality for a minute, because I think that's important for, for people to understand that it's not just about quote unquote gay rights, right? It's like, it's tied to all these other things because housing, housing's an issue. You know, if you're a teenager and you've just come out to your parents and they kick you out of the house, you know, that's, that's a housing issue. Um, if you're fired from your job because you're gay or trans, you know, that's an economic issue. That's a workplace issue. It's, it's part of all these other different things that, that touch everyone's lives. Um, it's not just about what straight people might think is, have sometimes called special rights or gay rights. It's not about that at all. It's about living, being able to live the whole spectrum of your whole experience, just like anybody else. Yes. Intersectionality was huge. And in 2020, um, during uh, the uprising and where people took to the streets, we also as an organization took to the streets. We supported the movement for black lives. We still support uh, black trans lives. We still meet people at that intersection, right? Like we have intersectionality. We are there to support everyone um, and no one's excluded. And that's kind of that's kind of where we are. And we will we will take to the streets. We will lobby government. We will push for better legislation. Um, and, and that's kind of what makes us, I think, such a unique pride uh, organization is because there's so many people part of this, this board and as coordinators that really will do everything in their power to help the most marginalized. And, and you'll see this in a lot of things we do. Um, 
we do like a Friendsgiving in, in November. And the majority of the people that attend our Friendsgiving are not a part of the LGBTQ community. They're people in search of food. They're people that want a, a warm meal and they want to be in a place in which they can just sit and there's no questions asked, just come eat with us. Um, and the community really kind of stood up with us. And we had, uh, in, in 2019, I believe we fed over 300 people uh, in a communal setting where we just made food and hung out at a, at a local yeah church. So it was, it's quite amazing. Um, so yeah, like you said, homelessness and that and class and, and, and just access. So yeah. What specific changes, well, you kind of alluded to this before when you said you moved from, from, uh, from Orange County to, to Pasco, um, what specific changes would you like to see from Pasco County government from the cities in Pasco in terms of uh, recognition for, for LGBTQ people that maybe exist in other, other counties in Florida that, that don't exist there? Oh, for sure. Um, first, first thing we've been lobbying for, we've been had a petition going around, was a human rights ordinance. So right now at a state and federal level, we are protected. But what, that, what does that mean when people say you are protected at a state level? And that means if a hate crime, which is still their majority of the crimes issued to the state, uh, to the Human Rights Commission, is going to be hate crimes uh, for sexuality, which is against the gay community. And so a human rights ordinance protects us at a level in which we can prosecute and we can, we can seek out uh, damages at a, at a local level instead of having to file with the state and, and then and kind of indefinitely wait for if they're going to pick it up or not or, or what's going to happen. So that was first and foremost. We want protections in the cities and we want protections at a county level so that the sheriff's department, for instance, can process my, my hate crime, not, not being forwarded to, to the state police. So, um, and that's a major issue. People are less likely to report. Uh, people are more likely to, you know, to actually reach out and do, do these and perform these hate crimes against us in this area because they know the chances of uh, being held accountable are, are slim to none. And, and you see that a lot here in Pasco County, and particularly against people of color and, and queer people of color. So, uh, and our, our trans, our black trans uh, community as well. So yeah, that's first and foremost, the human rights ordinance. I want the government to stand up and say, we are going to protect everyone under public accommodation, housing, you know, uh, employment and stuff like this, because still to this date, it is it is probably one of the biggest issues we face as an organization is people coming to us and complaining about being fired for being trans, being being evicted for being uh, queer or trans. And it's it's it is an ongoing battle that we still are trying to fight. What's been the reception from Sheriff Chris Nako from other county leaders in, in Pasco to to your efforts to, to, to try to get this ordinance passed? So I've met with a few and they have basically said, we don't think there's a need for it because there is no history. What they said, there is no record of hate crimes against the LGBT community. And the argument has always been, if there is no pathway in which we can actually like file charges, right? And put this in the system, then there's not going to be a record because there is literally not a pathway in which to file. Yeah. They're, they, they're literally saying just because there haven't been charges filed, there's no record. Therefore, we don't have hate crimes in Pasco. Yes, they don't even. Oh, oh, but a lot of city council and a lot of the county commission has, has stated they don't think hate like uh, hate groups exist in here. And we know Pasco County has one of the largest, you know, based off of the SPLC's data, has one of the largest uh, hate crime group, white supremacy issues. So we have a lot of that here. And um, the fact that they're just like, well, we don't see it. We don't know about it. We don't see it coming down. It doesn't exist. So why should we implement laws that... Uh, that we don't think are an issue, essentially. 
I, I wonder, though, have they heard testimony stories from people who have been victims of hate crimes? And so what what has been the commissioner's government's reaction to that? So um, they would say every time I don't ha- they'll hear testimony. But if they don't see the documentation, for instance, if they're like, I didn't see a police report, that's because we can't file police reports on things that don't protect us. Right. You can't just go <laughs> file a miscellaneous uh, police report. So it's kind of like a circle. Um and the biggest thing that the like Newport Ritchie uh, they said to us was is that exact same thing. They were like, we have no, we have no history of it. We thank you for talking to us, but we still don't think it's an issue. Uh, there's no proof that somebody did this to you. So once there's proof, meaning prosecutorial power, right? Like if we had the ability to prosecute the person uh, that committed the hate crime, that would be the proof. But we can't because there is no legislation to support it. So it's kind of that roundabout. Uh, we're stuck in this. Uh, this this is rough trying to force that that on them. Like, hey, this is why we need it. So, as you mentioned, this has been a difficult year for a lot of people. Um, we're also we just marked the fifth anniversary of the Pulse massacre in Orlando. Um, you know, here we are in twenty twenty one. What do you think Pride means to 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 you to other folks in Pasco County right now at this moment? What does it mean to be proud as a, as a queer trans person, wherever you are? I think it means survival. I think it means we survived uh, economic hardship, um, mental health hardship, uh, and both health, a health crisis. We, we survived. We, we banded together, and you'll see this in a lot of community. Uh, they have people that let them stay at their houses, and I think it's a triumph. I think when you see pride... This year, we are, we are going to definitely have a memorial to, to the people that we've lost in our community from COVID um, and, and mental health, honestly, because it hit us hard. So I think survival, coming out of it, and, and really it's just like, say, it's like coming out of a rainstorm and seeing the sunshine again. And you're kind of just really excited to get out there and be around your community. And, um, and I think that's pride for us is that. And I think it also solidified after the uprising and, and, and people really doubling down on their, their rights as individuals. Uh, I think you're going to see a shift, and I'm excited to see what that shift does for us. Well, Nina, uh, good luck to you. It was a pleasure chatting with you. I hope we can uh, talk again sometime. Okay, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much. Nina Borders is president of Pasco Pride. You heard her mention she moved to Pasco from Orange County. As we were wrapping up our interview, she reflected on her personal connection to the 2016 massacre at Pulse Nightclub. If we're talking about like Pulse, so I, my, one of my fire stations in Orange County um, was the responding station to Pulse. So I came into work to relieve the crew that was the responding crew, clean out the rescue. We shifted because they were worked all through the night. Um, and so that is a place where like, and I think that that is what I do today. Like that comes into a lot of what I do. So I had it on a firefighter stance in which it was a first responder and we dealt with the parents, the victims, and we dealt with the survivors, you know? And being from Orlando, and that is that is the place I call home, right? Like I grew up, and then that also being a place that I went to frequently, and at any given time I would have been there on any given night. Um, and so, and my crew actually thought I was there. It's just one of those things where when it hits you that hard, moving to Pasco County and then seeing how devastating it was here in terms of just like the, the terrible legislation in place and the, no access to anything. Um, I was like, no, never again, like never again. That that kind of drive is really like, no, I'm not going to let this happen 
again to our gay community here. We're going to stop it. We're going to fight for it and we're going to keep going. And I was sworn in a year after Pulse uh, with the city of Clearwater. I'm a Clearwater firefighter paramedic. And um, and yeah, I continue that fight uh, on all levels. That was Nina Borders, a paramedic and president of Pasco Pride. And that's Florida Matters for this week. Denora Prevost is our producer. I'm Bradley George. Thank you for listening.